good morning, everyone. Welcome to Mountain Radio Astronomy. It is the month of March and time for our March edition of the show. We're going to depart a little bit from some of the shows that you've heard in the past where we've talked about specific science projects that the Green Bank Telescope is involved with. This month, instead, we're going to talk to you about the Green Bank Telescope itself and some big work that's going to be going on there this summer. Joining us this morning is Mike Holstein, who is the business manager with the observatory here in Green Bank. And he's also an engineer who's been involved in lots of aspects of building the Green Bank Telescope and making it work since it's been in operation. So thanks for joining us this morning, Mike. Well, thanks, Suhan. Appreciate it. Glad to have you here. Now, I thought maybe before we talked about the big upgrade work that we're going to be doing this summer, we could tell the folks a little bit about the Green Bank Telescope. Some people may not have seen it. They don't know how it works or how truly big it is and those sorts of things. So tell us a little bit about this uh, Robert Seabird Green Bank Telescope that we have in our backyard. Well, I'd be glad to. You know, the telescope truly is big. It stands about 480 feet above ground level. It weighs 16.7 million pounds, and it rests all that weight on 16 wheels that roll around a circular track. And that allows the telescope to access every part of the sky. It can run 360 degrees in its azimuth, and it can run in elevation as well. And so with the 16 wheels, that means that each wheel is carrying more than a million pounds of telescope to the ground. Uh, the collecting area, which is the reflector dish, the, it's designed differently than other telescopes that people may be familiar with. But this has an offset antenna. It's sort of like your direct TV dish. And the collecting area of the telescope is 2.3 acres if that gives you some idea of the size. And we believe that it is the largest movable structure on land. So the way this telescope works then is that an astronomer who, who has been successful in, in getting to use the telescope, how do they get the telescope to move around? How do they get the telescope to point? How does that part of it work? Well, the telescope is uh, remotely controlled from the operations area, from the control room which is in the lab. It's a separate part of the site. Now during maintenance activities and maintenance days, we can actually control the telescope at the telescope too, but it's computer controlled. The astronomer has a program that he wishes to run, whatever it may be, and there are motors on these steel wheels that are on the telescope. They're, uh, believe it or not, they're only 20 horsepower motors, and they're DC because we have to be very concerned about the radio frequency interference that's caused by AC motors and things like that, and DC operates differently. But the motors actually turn, they fight each other. The outside motor fights the inside motor. So when you first start the telescope, to get it to move slowly, the outside motor, for instance, may turn a little bit faster than the inside motor, and that allows it to move. And then we can drop the inside motor to zero voltage, and the outside one takes over, and then when you stop it, the, same, the reverse happens, and the telescope can slow down in a what we call a soft stop, and then eventually stops at the point where the astronomer is looking for that particular point in the sky. Is there something like that to also tip the dish up and down as well? Right. In elevation, there is a large gear for the elevation part of the structure, and there are, there are DC motors that rest 
on a platform on the what we call the alidade structure. That's the part of the telescope that doesn't move in elevation. It only moves in azimuth around. And the DC motors that rest there run a gear that sits under a very, very large gear that's connected to all of the structure that moves in elevation up and down. So the combination of turning around the track and moving in elevation allows that telescope to see any part of the sky down to five degrees above horizon. Now that's a, you said a 16.7 million pounds Million pounds, that's correct. How long does it take to move 16.7 million pounds around to point it at a spot in the sky? It's actually a fairly quick process. Uh, you would think that it would take quite a long time to do so, but the slew rate, how long it takes to move from one point to another point, is fairly quick. The key to that is just to overcome the momentum. Once you overcome the weight of the telescope and get it to start moving, the way the telescope is designed, it's very, very smooth, it's very stable, and point to point, of course, depending upon where that is in the track and in elevation, is actually uh, pretty quick. And we actually operate it for safety reasons, safety of the structure, uh, at much less speed than the telescope's actually capable of performing. And I think we timed at one time, it takes about nine minutes for the telescope to do 360 degrees in a circle. Yes, I think it's, like it's about, about nine, right? nine minutes. And I think that's at the time that we feel like we need to operate it. And again, for, for safety's sake and because of the way that the cabling runs through the center of the telescope, we generally don't run a full 360 degree circle we'll do 270 degrees, and then we can back off another 270 the other direction and cover that full circle. The telescope took about a decade to build, is yeah. that right? Yeah, construction started in about 1990 with uh, groundbreaking and foundation work. The foundation of the telescope goes down 20 feet below ground, below the grade that you see now. And it went down to bedrock, they took off the top layer of bedrock and capped that with concrete. And then they came up from that point in the ring wall and what we call um, the grade beams, which are four radial concrete beams that come to the center of the telescope where the bearing, pintle bearing sits. And that's up about 20 feet from that point. From bedrock? From bedrock. And they capped the top of bedrock with a five foot thick a slab of concrete. And so the rebar and the concrete come up to that point. What you see now, if you look at the telescope, take a tour, uh, you're only going to see maybe three at the most, four feet of concrete above the ground. Uh, what's interesting is you just know then that that goes 20 feet below what you can see. So there's a lot of concrete there to support that weight. And then on top of that are the track plates that actually support the weight of the wheels. When people hear us say that the telescope rotates around on a track, oftentimes they think about a railroad track, but it's yes. not like that, is it? No, this one's not at all. The track is perfectly flat. There's a pinnel bearing in the center of the telescope that doesn't actually take any weight. It's just there to hold the telescope in alignment. But the track itself is flat and it actually slopes from the outside edge of the track to the inside edge of the track about three degrees. 
and the wheels rest on that slight slope so that with them pointing inwards, that's sort of like a very, very shallow cone, Mm -hmm. but it keeps the telescope from running off the track. It always wants to stay inside the track. And the plates are, there's about an 11-inch track uh, uh, width that the wheel actually bears down on that steel plate. Uh, So with that amount of contact surface, each of those wheels is actually putting about 150, 180,000 PSI. Pounds Pounds per square inch of pressure on that steel. So from early on in the operation of the Green Bank Telescope, once the contractor was gone and we had the telescope, we noticed that the telescope's track was not performing as we wanted it to, that it wasn't... Yeah, we, it were, wasn't. we were seeing some problems with so it. So tell us about that. You're right. Uh, sometime after the contractor turned the telescope over to us, we started noticing that there was some movement in the steel. And, and you have to understand how this is built. On top of the concrete foundation, there are pieces of steel that are in in a um, semicircular arc. And there's a base plate section, and then there is a what we call a wear plate section. And just like its name, you expect the wear plate to wear. That's what it's for. The base plates and wear plates are in 14-foot lengths. And one of the design problems that we eventually found out about was that the joints for each of these plates lined up one over top of another. And therefore, whenever the wheels ran over those plates, they caused a movement between them. And eventually, you get to the point where the steel can't stand that pressure any longer, and it starts to crack. Okay, so the top cracks or the bottom? You say you have two strips of thick steel. Right. One's the base plate, and then on top of that sits this wear plate that you intend to replace. Eventually. And need to have to replace every... I don't know. Should be every yeah. 10 years or something, maybe, or every six or seven, or I don't know. Yeah. So what was getting cracked, underneath or on top? It was, it was mostly on top. And, yeah, you do, wanna, you do figure that you're going to replace these. You know, for us, certainly, you'd hope maybe 20 years down the road you'd replace them. But the top wear strip was cracking. And, and a really good analogy for this is when you make bread, and you lay out your dough, and you take a rolling pin, and you roll out your dough, this is the heaviest moving structure that pretty much anyone knows of. The factors, the weight factors and the steel factors, are sort of in an unknown territory. And so what we found is that the steel on these plates was acting sort of just like this dough that you have on your baking table. When you take the rolling pin and think of the pin as the wheel, and you push that along the dough, you get a little wave of dough in front of that rolling pin until it gets to the end of the dough. And when it gets to the end of the dough, it just sort of flattens itself out. And a lot of times it'll, it has some elastic to it and it backs off. But if you continue to do that, and anyone out there who's made bread and all of that knows, eventually the ends of the dough start cracking. You get these cracks where it just separates. There's no more elasticity to it. And that's what it looked like was happening with the track. The, the steel on the wear plates was actually spreading out as far as it could go, and then it was just cracking. I want to stop here and just let everybody pause for one second and think of this. (laughs) These wear plates are how thick? 
The ones we have on there right now are uh, two and a quarter, three inches thick. Of steel. Of steel. And the Green Bank Telescope is working on these as a rolling pin works on dough. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So steel can be like dough if you've got 17 million pounds rolling on top of it. Right. I mean, I'm sure that's an exaggeration, but still. But that's, that's a right. a great analogy. Yeah, that's absolutely what, what it looks like was happening. What kind of problems does that create for using the telescope, observers? Well, certainly one of the problems, one of the things that we want to avoid is that we don't want those cracks to migrate to a point where pieces of that break off, I mean, physically break. The wear plates are designed so that they are softer steel than the wheels are because the wheels are steel too. They're five foot diameter steel wheels, but you'd rather replace the wear strip than you would the wheel. Right. So you make that steel softer. But if one of those pieces were to break, then you would damage the wheel itself. Okay. So you, you want that, you don't want that to happen. Absolutely. But with the movement of the plates, the base plate and the wear plates with themselves, what happens is that you start to grind the steel into a powder. And that causes a gap underneath those pieces of steel. And that also means then that you are lowering the elevation in those places where the steel is the weakest. And then you affect the pointing of the telescope. The telescope is extremely sensitive to where the astronomer wants to point the telescope. You have to maintain that precise alignment as it travels because the point source in the sky travels, so you have to move the telescope with it. And now the track is becoming rough. I mean, again, an exaggeration is you started to develop a washboard. And so the track's trying to move up and down these little hills and valleys, and you're trying to maintain pointing, and you lose control of the ability to maintain that signal source. So the telescope starts to become less reliable, less precise, and if it went to the extreme, the telescope would become unusable. That's exactly right. An astronomer has to know what they're looking at. Yeah. And with radio astronomy, it's not like you can pull out your optical telescope and make sure right. that you're pointing at the right thing. You have to rely on your telescope being really accurate. Right. Okay. So we've got, uh, we are now, uh, we've been operating this telescope since the year 2000. We started then. Yep. That's it's when we now, had the dedication. That's 2007 now. This problem has gotten bad enough that we felt like we needed to to do something big to solve the problem. So. Yeah, we, we started working on this problem actually about four years ago. We gathered a panel of experts, both within the observatory and from around the country, actually from around the world, structural engineers and mechanical engineers and people who uh, were uh, professors at various colleges within the country. And we've convened these panels uh, several times, and they've looked at this problem. They've come here to Green Bank, and we've all been trying to come up with a new design for a track. Well, all that's sort of come to fruition. (laughs) Before you tell us what the solution is going to be, tell us about some of the ideas. You've got 17 million pounds sitting on this track. I mean, that's something that's not going to change. That's right. So you've got to figure out how to build a track that can withstand 17 million pounds moving on it. Right. So uh, were there interesting ideas floated? There were, yeah, there were a lot of interesting ideas. And, you know, it's funny when you get a group of people 
any group of people together working on a, a solution to a perceived or a known problem, the ideas come from everywhere. You had discussion about taking everything completely out to the top of the foundation wall and replacing it with huge blocks of steel in single pieces. You had discussions about how we were going to do the work. Are we going to lift the telescope off the track? Yeah. You know, I mean, you got 17 million pounds resting on this thing almost. How do you, how do you pull the road out from under the car without disturbing the car? That's yeah, kind of what we're good. looking at. <laughs> you have to do one of those tricks on the tabletop, you know, with yeah. tablecloth, and you yank it Pull out the magician's from under. trick. <laughs> right. I think I heard some suggestions of, of building these big outrigger wheels, like a second track outside the big track with, you know, like you see on some of these South Pacific canoes that have the big... Yeah, right. Yeah, actually, yes, that's right. I'd forgotten that one. And the idea of building more... Um, the, the wheels are in, in sets of four that we have on the telescope now. We call those a truck, and we have four trucks. So four wheels of four trucks, that's 16. And I heard discussions about building more trucks and all the way to building uh, trucks so that there were wheels continuously all the way around the telescope. And you think, well, you haven't done anything with the weight, but the, it's the distribution of the weight onto that track. You've taken it from 16-point loads and spread it across, you know, what may have been 56-point loads or something. But the track was to the point where leaving it where it was and doing something with the telescope to just lessen the load wasn't going to work anymore. The track itself needed to be replaced if that, if that was going to be possible. With all these crazy ideas and some of them not so crazy, how do you go about selecting what you're going to do to hopefully uh, provide a permanent solution? Or? Yes. Yeah, we're hopefully providing a permanent solution. There's been a lot of work gone into this. And I guess this is where engineering uh, runs head on to economic. And, you know, you certainly could, if you had all the money in the world, you could do a whole lot of things. But we don't have a, all the money in the world. You only have a certain amount of money. And thank goodness that uh, Senator Byrd was able to provide a little extra funds to take care of this problem, help us take care of this problem. And so we had to come up with a solution that would fit within that economic envelope and would give us what we felt was the absolute best product that would last, as we said earlier in the show, 20 years. That's what we want is at least a 20-year life. Our um, maintenance crews have to go out to the telescope fairly regularly and yeah. replace sections of these wear strips that we have on there now. Yeah, they, they, actually, they absolutely do. So we have to shut down, undergo this big process. Maybe you can remember how much one of these sections of wear plate weigh. Oh, they're heavy. The wear plates alone are three mm -hmm. to four tons, I believe. The base plate sections, which luckily we haven't had to replace any of those yet, but the base plate sections are in the neighborhood of uh, 12 tons. So it's not an easy thing to right. just go out and do this. Not something you want to do regularly as part of your regular <clears throat> maintenance schedule. Yeah. With the problem that we've had, it, um, as you recall, I was talking about how these, these steel plates rub together and, you, and they grind themselves and they, there's powder, you know, that comes out of that. And also with the, with the movement on top of the foundation and under the base plate, 
is a hand-packed grout. It's a concrete grout that takes that weight. Well, with the movement of those, that has started to crumble. Well, the last thing you want to do then is throw water into that mix. So we've had to design a track cover that fits between the trucks of wheels so that when it does rain and snow and all that, it sheds the water off of the top of the track, prevents it from going down into the cracks and crevices and all of that, and leaching all this material out of the, out of the track and out of the foundation. So we want to alleviate that situation, too. Well, I've seen some trucks pulling into the Green Bank <laughs> Observatory over the last week or so. Tell us what we're going to do to fix the problem and what people that visit might expect to see in these summer months coming up. We are excited. Yes, you have seen trucks coming in. We have all but five of the, of the tractor-trailer loads of base plates that we are going to replace. Let me tell the folks what we're going to do is we are going to replace the entire track. We are going all the way down to the foundation, and we're going to take the base plates, and there are actually every so often something called a splice plate. We're going to take it off. We're going to take all the base plates off, all of the wear plates off, and we're going to replace all of that steel. So we've gotten the base plates in. I think we have five more loads. We have, I think at this point, we may have all of the wear plates in. And the splice plates, we have seven new ones made that will get us through the beginning of construction. And we have plans to pull the old ones off and retrofit them as we do this work so we can put them right back on. So this summer, uh, beginning April the 30th, next month, we're going to shut down the telescope. We are going to still try to do some astronomy. It's going to be limited, but we're going to shut down the telescope and we're going to start this work and we're going to do it in 90 days. Now that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of work to be done in 90 days and we think we can do it. Um, All the schedules point to that right now. The contractors are in agreement that they think we can do it. And for anyone wondering, we're not going to raise the telescope up. I was going to ask you if we were going to pick it up and put it to the side. No, we're not. We're not even going to pick up one single wheel. What we're going to do is we're going to, the telescope can, you know, since there are four trucks, then we can divide the telescope track up into quadrants. So we're going to replace four quadrants within the envelope of the wheels between them. We're going to put a transition strip in once those sections are finished. We're going to roll the telescope across those transition strips onto the new part that we've already replaced, and that leaves us those last pieces to replace in the old section. You know, it seems to me like there might be an advantage to that if you're trying to also measure. I mean, you're trying to put a very level track on under this 17 million pound telescope, and it has to be level when you're done. Yes. And so you've got old parts that the wheels are sitting on, then you're putting the new telescope track on, and then you've got to move them onto the new pieces and put that. So maybe that'll help you make measurements as you go. It, it, will, it will help in the, uh, in the plane of the elevation. It's really interesting. The, the new plates are much thicker than the old plates. But we don't want to raise the overall, we can't raise the overall elevation of the track. So you say, well, how can you possibly do that? And the way we're going to do that is the grout layer that's above the foundation and under the base plates right now is about four inches thick. 
we're going to take that difference in elevation from that grout layer. We may increase the overall elevation of the finished track by, you know, maybe a few millimeters. That's okay. But the steel thicknesses are going to be taken up by that grout layer, and we're, we'll only end up with maybe a half inch or an inch of grout, and it's not going to be concrete grout anymore. We're going with an epoxy type of grout, supposed to be much harder, can take the strain. The bigger pieces of steel certainly take more of the strain, and the wear strip that's going on top, not only being thicker, but is also a high-strength steel. And all of these pieces, even the base plates that people aren't really going to be able to see, the telescope doesn't run on directly, are all being machined to come here to the site for installation to ten thousandths of an inch tolerance. So we want it as level as possible, piece by piece, as we can get it before we even start the installation. And then the other factor that makes this a better track than the original one, you were talking earlier about how the cracks between the wear strip and the base plates were right on top of each other and that was a problem. Yeah, that's right. If you look at the brick on your house or the cinder blocks, you know, that make up your foundation, I could almost guarantee you that it that you're going to see them all stacked the same way and you're going to have a block and then above it's going to be a joint right in the middle of that one. And then uh, above that one is going to be a full block and that's what's called a running bond. And that's done in masonry all the time. For whatever reason, the original contractor for the telescope had placed the plates, the base plates and the wear plates, the joints directly over one another. Now, uh, that's the reason for the splice plates that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. They're at the very bottom, just in pieces, because they're only under the joints. And I guess it was thought that there was enough steel there and the movement wouldn't cause any problems and therefore it just wasn't going to be a concern. But certainly if you place all your weight on one side of that joint and you have a joint uh, below that in the next piece, you're translating that weight all the way down to the foundation. So part of the new design is that we stagger those just like the brick on your house. So the base plate joint will be at a midpoint of the wear plate that sits above it. The other thing that we're doing is that the existing wear plates have a angle on the joint, about a 45 degree angle. And so as the telescope moves across that, if there is any movement, those two angles between one joint and the next just sort of slide along each other. Well, we want to rest that movement too. So the new joints are going to be in a chevron shape. That's like the stripes that you see on an army sergeant's uniform. Mm -hmm. They sort of come up and to a point. So you've got two 45s coming from each side of the plate and they meet at a point in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's going to lock into a chevron cut into the next wear plate. That's going to arrest any side-to-side -side movement. And those are uh, within 10 thousandths of an inch tolerance too, come, coming from the manufacturer. And the only thing you have to worry about there is that that very point becomes a, a concern for the pressure that's going to be on it. And as you can imagine, if you had the point of a pencil and you put a lot of pressure on it, it snaps off. Well, we don't want that little point to snap off the track. Right. So we've made a bevel cut in that. It's not a lot, uh, but you could see it and you could feel it if you were there. 
and that's to prevent any damage on the very end of the chevron. So we think, I mean, just by nature, you can imagine that if that were just one angled joint, as the telescope wheel rolled across it, one side and then the other side of that joint is going to take all of the weight of that wheel. If you cut two angles in there that come to a point, you've automatically halved the amount of weight that each joint has, each side of that joint has to take. So. Well, and triangles are strong structures in yes. nature, and you're kind of making a triangle there. That's, that's yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it's really exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. And, you know, folks, it, it might be a good summer if you've never come over to visit us before. To come over and see, you'll be able to stand on the side of the fence, out of harm's way, and see this work going on. And we will certainly learn enough about it in our tour program that we can answer <laughs> questions and tell you what's going on on a day-to-day basis. So come look at the construction site this summer. It'll be really, really interesting. And Sue Ann's right. You're going to be... At worst, you're probably only going to be a um, 7,500 yards away. I mean, you're going to be able to see it really well. And we're going to be working all the way around the telescope. And we're not going to have a lot of rain this summer, so I'm sorry about your gardens. (laughs) That's what we're hoping for, That's what we're hoping. We don't want a lot of rain. But uh, we're hoping to start this work in May. And uh, we're going to have it finished by the end of August. Mm -hmm. We're hoping that it'll be finished. We do have about a month of play if we need it so that we can, uh, before we get back into a big schedule with the telescope. But once all this work is done, there's a thing called a pointing model that has to be done of the telescope. Because no matter how level and how clean and how smooth you get the track, it's still going to have some artifacts of elevation. It's going to, you know, the steel may not be completely homogenous and all that. So there's going to be some very, very small hills and valleys, and we like to model those so that when the astronomer is turning the telescope in a particular direction, he knows what to expect with his data. So we've got to do that, and that's going to take us probably a month to do that as well. And then we're back on the air in September. That's right. With science all the time. Science all the time, and... Uh, even better, we'll have probably less maintenance days required for the telescope because the track won't need our attention. That'll be a good thing. Mike, thanks so much for joining us this morning for Mountain Radio Astronomy. Thanks for having me out. I appreciate it. All right. And that about wraps us up for the month of March. Thanks for joining us for Mountain Radio Astronomy. I'm Sue Ann Heatherly, and I'll see you next month. (laughs) 